on Faith Assault uh, at Galleria Mall because it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You don't have to hunt too far to find people that need Jesus. And it's air conditioned, to be honest. We really don't want to get Starbucks there. If, if Paul had air conditioning in a Starbucks, you know he'd be there. <laughs> um, but we had some awesome testimonies today, and I wanted to have everyone up here, but. Uh, because we, we did the uh, awesome home group thing, I just want to bring a couple people up. So Nancy, if you could come up. And you have the testimony about uh, the word knowledge from Linda. Yeah, come on up, Candice. Woohoo! Okay, Nancy, tell us what happened with the mall today. Can you hold this? No, my partner's over there on the floor. Anyway, we were in... Um, so we really chased the guy down in the mall and said, hey, 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 can we pray for you? I said, listen, I used to be in a wheelchair and I had a crazy radical miracle God healed me, so could we pray for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And um, he's a believer and uh, he was in a car accident in December. I can't remember which, that was two vertebrae that were damaged, and so he's paralyzed from here to there. So he's a young man, maybe he's 30 years old, right? And his friend was with him. She's a physical therapist, but she was pushing him in a wheelchair. So um, Matthew and I just uh, began to pray for him, and he had movement in his left arm, his one arm, has had no movement whatsoever. As we're praying for him, his fingers start to move. And he had some movement in his hand. He was able to lift his hand up. Never happened one time since he was there. And so we get really excited and um, just begin to share with them about really pressing into what the Word of God says about healing. Jesus healed all who were sick. No doubt, no question. Jesus healed all who were sick. So we just gave him some encouragement. And then, um, so the other interns came around, so we just all huddled around him, and he wasn't shy, nobody was shy, we were just all praying and going for it, and we actually, um, you know, trying to get him to do something he hadn't done before, and so um, Isaac and Matthew actually picked him up out of the wheelchair to try to get him, you know, to walk. Now, you know, he didn't have strength in his legs today, but listen, start moving his hand, that was very exciting. He had sensation in his hand, but he could actually move it, and he hadn't moved it since December at all. So his faith went through the roof, and his friend's faith went through the roof. We were very excited, and so we just invited him to come up here. We pray for him anytime, but his name's Dwayne, so y'all continue to pray for him because we're believing for 100% of you. What Thank you, Jesus. So awesome. All right, Candace. Happy day. Um, okay, so we're hanging out in Macy's. I'm with Isaac, and I just like look at this woman, and I just I hear the word heart like over and over again. So I approach her and feel really stupid, but I like ask her if there's something wrong with her like heart, or she has high blood pressure or something. And she said yes, and that like heart issues like running her family and. That she had even had like kidney problems, which 
is when your heart gets real bad. And then um, she thinks she has arthritis and all this junk going on. So Isaac asked her if we can pray for her, and we do. And she's just like, she's just like feeling it, and she, she's like really receiving it and stuff. And she's like, can I pray for my, my finances too? And she's just like throwing all this at us, and we just, we're going, you know. And, and um, we, after we prayed for her, we prophesied over her, and she said, I just, I just feel like I have the strength to go on now because it's been a really rough season for her and like she's been struggling and she was just, she was really full of hope and it was just real good. So. Come on. Okay. And how many times do you have an interaction with someone and at the end of it, you know, they're tearing up and saying, you know, because of your love and your words on that that's a fun way to live life. You feel like you're on a secret mission all the time, you know? <laughs> Your Jesus is like bombardiers, like paratroopers. You go to the mall, you know, you're there you're there to shop, but there's there's other reasons everywhere you go and the Lord just set me up. So much fun. Um, <clears throat> we are Candace, is that your first word of knowledge for healing? You guys know what a word of knowledge is? A word of knowledge is simply a piece of information that you shouldn't have any knowledge of, like in the natural, that the Lord, you know, whispered to you or you felt a sensation in your body that applies to someone else. Candace knew that a woman had heart problems without ever meeting her or talking to her. Isn't that cool? And when she approaches someone with that word of knowledge and says, yeah, I feel like the Lord said you have heart, heart problems. Um, her faith level, that, that stranger's faith level, is going to go from nothing to somewhere. She is going to she's going to have faith because this stranger knows something about me that God told me. That means that God is real. He might even have the power to heal me right now. And just that little spark of faith sometimes is, is all it takes for incredible miracles to happen. So um, one of my favorite parts of the internship is just being. Um, the infants come alive and they get into their passions and realize that they are really, really, really powerful and beloved of the Lord. Just highly, highly favored people and they are those undercover agents of the Lord. You know, Every, everywhere they go, just expelling the domain of darkness. Um, and we are going to uh, be starting a new internship and a new program called The Apprenticeship. And it's going to be starting October 1st. That will be the first day of classes. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump will not be running the apprenticeship. Um, the uh, kickoff dinner is going to be at my house September 30th. Now, I'm excited, uh, really, really excited about some of the improvements that we're going to be making. People who have gone through the internship can return as apprentices and the apprenticeship program is geared very much towards identifying um, your, your identity, identifying your identity and your callings and your gifts and launching you into it, whether it's in a church or in a business place or in teaching, in any of the seven mountains of influence in the world, if it's government, we're going to, you know, we're going to break fear off of you, convince you that you are as cool as you are, and then kick you out of the nest. Essentially, empowered under our covering and 
and after you've realized all your, your good things and moved in them. And so, um, Vincent and I are, are teaming, teaming up and taking this on. We also have uh, just incredible teachers in both the apprenticeship and the internship. Um, and I highly recommend if you are at all interested, just email me. I'll send you all the information. It's Jeremy at hogdallas.com. Now, I, uh, <clears throat> I had a dream last night that I woke up from. Tracy had asked me to preach, and um, generally, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Um, seriously, and, and, I, and I really have a heart to, to see the Lord show up and love on everyone. But last night, <clears throat> I had a dream that I, that I woke up from. It was in the morning, and in the dream, I was standing up on, on a stage. It wasn't this stage, but it was a stage in the church, and I was preaching. And I was talking about how I pursued my wife. And um, <clears throat> and I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about love tonight. I love my wife. I feel the anointing coming just when I think about her. <laughs> um, and you know, Ashley and I, we've we've done things right and we've done things wrong, but we've seen the our, our story has actually encouraged a lot of people, and so I'm going to, I want to talk a little bit about it tonight. Um, around the time that I met Ashley, the Lord was speaking to me through the number twos. Has anybody ever had that happen where you see like one, one, one all the time? Like anytime you look at a clock, it is one eleven or eleven oh one. you know? For me, I was seeing two, two, twos all the time. The Lord was speaking to me through scriptures, through anywhere I'd look. I'd see two, two, twos, license plates. I would have dreams about twos. And I had a faint idea of what it meant, but I really wanted the Lord to bring some, some clarity. And, um, <clears throat> and so I met Ashley. And, um, it was in the season when I was seeing these twos, and, and I felt like uh, I felt like doing a word study just simply on the word love. And so I was going uh, systematic for, systematically through the word, through the Bible, looking up the word love and dictionaries and commentaries and stuff like that. And, and you guys know um, when the word love appears for the first time in the Bible? In the book of love itself. Don't you think that the Lord would you know, put that word in there pretty early on? It's Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. God waited 22 chapters and two verses to actually drop the L-bomb. In his book of love, he did it for me, guys. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's for all of us, obviously, but um, it is the verse where the Lord talks to um, <clears throat> Isaac, and he says, Isaac, take the son whom you love and sacrifice. It was so important for the Lord to wait to drop the word love to the perfect place where he could clean it up. 
because the two are absolutely inseparable. He waited the moment where the first archetype, the first person that was truly going to represent the sacrifice of Christ, was on the scene and said, take that guy and sacrifice him. And, and that's the first time he used the word love. And so I met Ashley at a, uh, at a conference. It was a prayer rumble that Louisville was hosting in Washington, D.C. Is my fly down? Someone's just laughing uncontrollably over here. <laughs> you want to come up here and pray for us, Matt? <laughs> He's having a great time. I want some of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's either the Lord or what I'm saying is so ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so I'm at this prayer conference, and I'm actually there because of a dream. I flew from Dallas to Washington, D.C. because of a dream from the Lord. And I'm in the area where they're setting up the booths, where they're going to be selling teachings and t-shirts and and several ministries set up with their you know, brochures and flyers and stuff. And I'm in this room before the conference starts, and I'm helping uh, Lou English crew, you know, kind of set up all their teachings in a cool pyramid because I think stuff like that's cool. And I look across the room, and I see, I see this beauty, my, my future bride. I see her from across the room. <clears throat> and I think I was in the middle of a conversation that I just walked away from. <laughs> I didn't excuse myself at all. <clears throat> Put down whatever I was doing, I just walked over to her. <laughs> and <clears throat> I, I didn't think about what I was going to say whatsoever. Um, I walked right up to her and I said, Hey, my name's Sharon, what's your name? And, uh, and she said, I'm, I'm Ashley. And, uh, <clears throat> and I started looking around for anything to, you know, to talk about. Uh, T-shirts. Let's <laughs> see. Teachers here, you guys sell teachers, huh? And and then we, I'm just trying to like create, you know, a conversation. And so I, I bring up C.S. Lewis because I just finished the Chronicles of Narnia, and she's like, "Oh, I'm reading that right now." I'm like, "Yes, something to talk about." <laughs> and but the whole time, I, I actually feel like she's trying to pawn me off on the other cute girls, like at the table. <laughs> she uh, she wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, <clears throat> Which you know, very sad. But um, she had been to she'd been to several Christian conferences where there were dudes walking around all bill eyed and like, "Are you my wife? Are you my wife? Are you my wife?" <laughs> and she happened to be you know incredibly cute, so there were plenty of those. Uh, Are you my wife? Zombies going after her. <laughs> and so uh, the conference. Conference went on, and I got to see her, you know, just worship the Lord. And honestly, uh, it had nothing to do with her relationship with God that, you know, struck my interest. It was because she was hot. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Is that all right? <laughs> um, you can learn more about that at the man group. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the conference goes on, and, and I weasel my way into a lunch. Like, I get invited into it where, you know, I know she's going to be at it. And, and I just, you know, spend the whole time, like, staring at her, not knowing what to say. And she actually tells her, tells Stacy, what's a staring problem? 
<laughs> and Tracy's like, she's not staring at anyone else, honey. <laughs> I was I was very much smitten, and and something had awakened in my heart, and I, I knew that I wanted to uh, pursue this girl, uh, and and I. Anyway, I found out she was from Dallas. That was such a cool part of the story because I just moved to Dallas, flew out to DC, and you know, this beautiful girl that I knew, she's like, I'm from Dallas. I'm like, yeah, I flew halfway across the country to meet a girl that lived 20 minutes away from me. And um, thank God for dreams. Um, and so I actually, I didn't get her number. I, and I just, I actually kind of had this faith that, I was going to end up around her. And I flew back, uh, and I, I went to the church where I was working, and I walked in the door, and I found my buddy who was a youth pastor, and I set my bag down, and I said, I met a girl. And this whole time, she isn't thinking about me at all. She doesn't even remember my name. And, and I felt, I felt like an anointing to pursue, come on me. And I remember asking the Lord, it was more like a conversation. I said, hey, Dad, I, uh, there's this daughter of yours that I think is pretty cute, and uh, I'd really like to pursue her. And I felt like I got poppers, like pat on the back, like approval. And I, I, I felt just this anointing to pursue come over me. And, and so I, uh, I figured out a way to get into their house, which was through leading worship at their prayer group. Um, I had serious ulterior motives. I was bringing the presence of the Lord and the presence of Jeremy. <laughs> and, and, you know, I led worship that time um, and actually showed up in the middle of it and didn't know it was me. And, it, and the Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit was still my wingman. He showed up. It was one of the most anointed little home group worships ever. And she ends up like crying in the corner in the presence of the Lord. And, and then the lights turn on and she sees that it's me. And she's like wiping snot off her face and walks up you know, into the other room because it's you know, that guy. And what I didn't know is that during that time, the Lord had been giving her dreams about me. And, and she actually knew more about my destiny than I did through those dreams. And um, she started comparing other guys uh, that were pursuing her to me, who she met in dreams. And so um, I, uh, I quickly just told her, I, I just went up to her shortly after that, and I said, hey, I like you, and I plan on pursuing you. And um, I don't want you to give me any kind of response or any kind of answer right now at all, I just wanted you to know that I'd like to hang around and get to know you and your family. And uh, I really knocked her back on her heels. And, and I was I was surprised that no one had, had been that bold with her because she's such a pride. And, um, but I was. I, I was that bold with her. And, and I decided that um, in my heart, was less important than her. And me getting injured in the process of pursuing her didn't matter to me. I, I put her, the pursuit of her and her heart so far above my own emotions at this point. 
I wasn't afraid of public embarrassment <laughs> with Kim. She and she had she had been in some relationships where you know she ended up you know, breaking guys' hearts and um, and was a little bit leery of getting involved in, in a new relationship. And, and she said to me, um, you know, I, let me back up. This is a, this is a funny story. She tried her hardest to break up with me so many times. <clears throat> she she had this fear in her heart, and she she uh, on this one drive back from a little date that we went on, she said, you know, I think that the, a foundation for a healthy uh, relationship is first a, a friendship, and I knew where she was going with this. I knew she was trying to dump me. <laughs> and I said to her, um, yeah, that's fine. We'll become friends along the way. <laughs> and I, and um, she just, just trying to get rid of me. And I, and I said, um, I'm, I'm really not interested in being your friend. I mean, we will be friends eventually. So that's, that's not the end goal. And so she, we left the conversation with her thinking that I was just going to be her friend. And the next day, um, I show up at her door with a huge bouquet of flowers. And she said, you suck at being a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and what I, uh, what I started to see is that um, she, actually, she actually needed to be healed through the pursuit of a man valued her so highly that he didn't care about his own heart getting trashed along the way. And she would say this to me. She, she said, you know, I, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm just going to hurt you. You know, you know it's going to end badly. And I said to her, you keep on believing that you can hurt me and my father can heal me. I'm not afraid of getting hurt. I'll, I'll heal up. I want you. I know, it, I sound cool, but I was, of course, I've got the microphone, so that's the way it goes. Um, <coughs> there are plenty of times I gave into fear. Let me just throw that out there as a disclaimer. And plenty of times I screwed up. Um, but, and, and, and then she threw out there that she said, you know, I, our, our callings are so different. You know, I feel called to, you know, making movies and, and screenwriting, and, and I know that you you feel called to the church and being a preacher and a pastor. And the Lord said, "He just the Holy Spirit is meant my wingman." He, he just whispered Genesis twenty two two, and I said to her exactly what I told you guys at the beginning. I said the Lord waited twenty two verses or twenty two chapters and two verses to bring the word love into the Bible, and He proved it with sacrifice. And I said there will be times when I'm laying down. And that pretty much sealed the deal. If you finally agree, they may have for several months of me pursuing her and jumping through flaming hoops of death. There's that that verse where it says, uh, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Lay your lives down." And that's really what women are waiting for, right, ladies? 
women are waiting for a man to see them as a treasure that is worth dying for. It is worth all public embarrassment. It is worth looking like an idiot for. And ladies, if, if a guy is, you know, after you that isn't willing to do that, he's not worthy of you. You're a treasure. They need to man up. Or find someone that they're so provoked to pursue that that's the one that they're going to go after. But there's this verse where it says, uh, when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I feel like there's this highly religious Christianese mentality that there's, you know, that one out there. And, you know, that, that might be true. It, it's completely inconsequential, though, because all the Lord wants the men to do is go find a wife because you'll find a good thing. And if you need favor in your life, it might be a wife. Seriously. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Jesus, He is the greatest pursuer. He pursues us, His bride. He continually lays His heart on the line. He's, he's the guy that, like, He is not afraid of His heart getting scratched. He's just holding it out there. Because He knows that He can get healed. <laughs> he knows that He's got a great Father that can restore Him. He's got a great Father that can restore us. So we're, we're actually able to take risks and, and actually have an anointing from the Lord come on us to pursue, um, to pursue like that. I want, um, oh man, that's why I go there yet. <clears throat> um, you guys know about Mary of Bethany? She's the incredible lady that's always at Jesus' feet. And uh, she comes on the scene in, in Luke 10, where uh, Martha invites Jesus into her house, and Martha and Mary and Lazarus are all siblings. <clears throat> and Martha's running around doing all these things for Jesus, um, you know, preparing food and whatever. And Mary, Martha's sister, is just sitting at Jesus' feet. In, in awe of, of the man Jesus Christ. And I can imagine her just sitting there and, and hearing the voice of eternity for the first time in her life. Hearing hearing the true bridegroom and, and sitting in a place so close that these gracious words are washing over her like a waterfall. It says that people would travel for days to hear the gracious words that from Jesus' lips, and this is the place where Mary is being transformed with that Jesus' feet. You guys know about the, the death of Lazarus, Mary's brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Did I say Lazarus? The death of Lazarus. Um, and Jesus, he says in, 
Let me just read it for you real quick. It's John 11, 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, and his brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So Lazarus is really dear to Jesus' heart. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness will not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. That verse makes no sense, does it? Because, okay, Lazarus is sick and Jesus hears about it. He loves Lazarus so much and he has the power to heal him. Because he, it says, because he loves Lazarus, he does nothing. He stays where he is. That's a great mystery. I heard a, a pretty cool preacher saying one time that um, Jesus hadn't seen someone resurrected who had been dead for three days. And the Lord, he was following the Lord's command, you know, his father's command, and staying where he was so that Lazarus was good and dead. So Jesus could see that a man who was dead for three days could pop out of the grave. So Martha, while, while Jesus finally, you know, starts walking towards Bethany to take care of the Lazarus situation, Martha hears that he's coming, and she rushes out to the edge of town, and she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that it will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When he said this, she went and called his sister Mary in private, saying, The teacher is here, and he is calling for you. And so Martha who is the busybody, uh, who's always you know, inventing ways to serve the Lord, runs out to the edge of town where Jesus is and gets into actually, like an actual theological kind of debate with him. Or, you know, just not a debate, but more like a discussion. Like, yes, Lord, I know that he'll rise again from the last day of resurrection today. Yes, Lord, I know that you are the son of the time. And Jesus is like, go get married. <laughs> I mean... I don't know exactly what he looked like. I'm sure he wasn't like mean or anything, but he's like, bring me Mary. And uh, so Mary goes out, and she actually says um, nearly the same thing. Okay, so this is John 11:31. When the Jews who were with her in the house controlling her saw Mary rise and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. You know what really stood out to me this time that I, I read it? That Mary, the woman who is always at the foot of Jesus, who loves his presence, is actually the one that stays behind. Martha is the one that runs out to greet Jesus. I think that Mary was offended. And she, she wasn't afraid to show it. I think she stayed there 
I mean, she heard that Jesus was in town just like Martha. She's like, kind of upset with him. I'm not saying that she's right in being upset with him. I'm saying that she's probably being the more honest one. So she stays there until she actually calls for him. She goes out. So moved with compassion in this moment. This this young girl moved his heart so much that he he was overcome with her emotion. That he was actually swept up into the pain of her heart and and bore it with her. So um, I heard another really cool preacher study one time with. When Martha got a theological discussion, Mary got a resurrection. She said the same thing, but there was something different in her heart. Mary is socially awkward because of her love. Like, she is barging into rooms with oil and pouring it on Jesus. As when, when our hearts are gripped with with love for the Lord. You, you might be in in a line at a fast food place and the Holy Spirit pokes you and says, Praise Jehovah! <laughs> and people are backing away from you. You just entered into the Mary zone. It is socially awkward. Uninvited worship. Jesus is reclining with all of his disciples after a meal and the dudes are having their due time and they're you know, sitting there revelating and sipping their tea ante. And... <laughs> Smoking a stove or something, not really. Uh, <clears throat> your body's a temple. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's deep time. And then in comes Mary, weeping, you know, and she's got this thing with her. And all the guys are like, that's not what I think it is. That's not, that's not, that's not that fragrant oil. That's, that's not that inheritance. That no way, no way. And she's pouring it on him. This is weird. <laughs> This is not the time for worship either. And so they start disdaining her, you know, and, and they're angry and actually embarrassed at the moment. But her heart is gripped with love. And she's the only one that understood the time and the season that they were in. Because Jesus had told them all, I'm going to be betrayed in the hands of Jews, die around again three days. And all the disciples, all the dudes were like, what are you talking about? Every time it says, you know, that. <laughs> Every time it says that the meaning was hidden from them, so the dudes didn't get it, but the girl did. And something provoked her in this moment, and she was wondering, is this the last time that I get to see him? Is this it? And so she barges in the room, a woman who's been transformed by the love of a man that loves her with no strings attached. She sat under the waterfall of his words of graciousness, and she's got her whole life that she's going to pour out as worship to him. <clears throat> 
It's a year's wages. So it's, you know, in, in American terms, you know, today it's forty to fifty thousand dollars a year, average year's wages. She's got forty-five thousand dollars of something that is completely irretrievable. She pours all over, weeping, wiping his feet with her tears. Pouring it all out, completely abandoned, not counting the cost in this moment. This account is told word for word in three of the synopsis, or sorry, in Matthew, Mark, and John. And it's not synopsis, it's quite different, but still often. It's nearly word for word, and it's also. Um, Mentioned in Luke. And they rebuke her and say, Why was this not sold and the money used for the poor? Why wouldn't you do something incredibly useful with this? In fact, there's like tons of good things that we could have done, tons of ministry things we could have done. I say, I've, I've got, I've got. $45,000 worth of, I don't know, cognac? That's, you know, I've got $45,000 worth of cognac, and I'm like, I just want to honor Vincent with this, and I just start dumping it on him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say everyone in this room knew that that was worth $45,000. Completely irretrievable. I'm dumping it all over him in honor of him just because I love Vincent. I would say the percentage of offense in here would be very high. And we would be thinking, $45,000? You know how many Bibles you could have bought and sent to India? You know how many... We could have bought a sprinter van and filled it with interns and done missions to America all over the place. And, you know, we could have paid rent for a long time. <clears throat> but it's Vincent. I want honor. Jesus says the least that you do under one of these, you do unto me. Pouring out this honor on him and, and praise to all of Vincent's glory. <laughs> because he's an image bearer of Christ. And you, you can, it, it, it would be like handing $10,000 to some guy that you, you don't even know because the Lord whispered to you to do it. And it, let's say I, I had that $45,000 and I started thinking, you know, I feel like the Lord told me to pour this on Vincent, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, I could buy tons of Bibles. I could buy a Sprinter van and do all kinds of good things. And so that's what I'm going to do. The day I stand before the Lord, the Lord's going to say, "The filthy rag, that good work, the righteousness, the filthy rag, why didn't you pour it on Vincent? Good is always the enemy. So 
And Jesus rebukes all his disciples and says, Leave her alone. You know, what she's done, she's done what she could, and she's done what she my burial. And everywhere that this gospel is proclaimed, what she's done will be proclaimed to you in honor of her. That is like the divine smackdown forever. I mean, <laughs> how incredible would that be? Every time the gospel is mentioned anywhere, you're, you're named in it. And there's a section honoring how, how you love the Lord extravagantly. A few days later, Jesus is apprehended. He's beaten. Stripped of flesh or torn off of his back. And he's nailed to the cross. And he's hanging there. And everyone's deserted him. Except for Mary, 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 and John. Mary, when she poured out all that perfume, she heard why this place. You could have done so many good things. I believe Jesus was hanging there, deserted by his friends, and he hears the accuser himself whispering in his ear, I'm just wait for you. I didn't have to do this. Another 40 years of your life, you could have been preaching all over the world in the best synagogues. You could have written books about how to walk on water. Multiply food. You would have been invited to all the cool conferences. There would have been CD teaching series and DVD sets. You could have had your own, you know, web TV. Your gospel could have spread all over the world. Why this waste, Jesus? Why are you pouring it out right now? And he's deserted by everyone. He feels the weight of sin of the universe on him, and the Father Himself turns His back on Jesus. My Lord, why have you forsaken me? And then there's this aroma rising from this torn flesh. It was just days before that Mary poured it all out on him. And he's hanging, hanging there, deserted by everyone and absent of all natural comfort. And he smells the perfume of Mary's love rising from his nose. He's remembering why he's hanging. Mary poured it out. I'm going to pour it out too. So he's breathed his last, he's taken down to the cross, put in the tomb, he rises again three days later. And he ascends up into heaven in the same body that he was born in. Died in and was resurrected in the same body. He rose up into heaven, and all the disciples are standing there watching him go into the clouds. And the angels say, You know, why are you staring? He's going to return the exact same way that he left. It means that Jesus has a body in heaven somewhere. He forever limited himself to the body of one man. He is a man forever, the man Jesus Christ. Have you guys ever heard about the fragrance of the Lord showing up in meetings? I've smelled it before. It smells like spices, apples. It smells like an adventure, like climbing up a mountain. I was in a room at a worship service where the worship got, you know, just through the roof and everyone was dancing around, dancing around, and I smelled this smell. And I just described it, and I stopped dancing. It was the greatest thing I'd ever smelled, and the band train wrecked. They stop playing, and, and they don't stop gracefully. They're like, 
And they're standing there too, and everyone stops dancing. And I hear in the back of the room, oh my God, do you smell that? And over here, I hear someone says, yeah, it smells so good. And the band's like, we smell it too. <clears throat> the presence of the Lord has showed up in the building. And we walked over to this guy who had a deaf ear. It was completely closed. And the fragrance was here, and it popped open. The band starts rejoicing, and everyone starts dancing. The fragrance of the Lord showed up. You know what it was? It was Mary's perfume, because Jesus still smells like the fragrance of her love forever. And when he shows up, the fragrance of her love shows up. This is not above Jesus. He does it all the time. He actually sits on the throne that a man established. He doesn't sit on the throne of Jesus. He sits on the throne of David. God himself, the Alpha and Omega, sits on a throne that represents a man's life of devotion. Forever, we're going to be looking at Jesus, but he's going to be sitting on the throne of David, and he drinks from Jacob's well. He sat down when he was tired and refreshed himself against the well that a man built. Guys, what I'm telling you is that you can live such a life of abandoned devotion to the Lord that He will recognize you and honor you for all eternity. Your life might represent like a diamond necklace and you give it to Him and He wears it forever. And then wherever Jesus shows up, He's like, this, this is the love of Rachel Gonzalez. Wherever this gospel is told, she didn't hold in honor of her. Or you might be knitting together a robe of praise that He's going to wear forever. It says in Malachi that there is a book of remembrance written, and those gathered together and hear the Lord talk about Him. And I started talking about dating. I don't know how to <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um. How I can link these two together. <laughs> if I was a Polish preacher, I would have a baller segue right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I believe that Mary was literally healed and changed by Jesus' pursuit of her. And then when we pursue women, like Jesus pursued us, he pursued Mary, and we'll be willing to pour it all out. They'll be willing to pour it all out. They'll be healed by our love. I've noticed that um, in this day and age, you know, um, women who are supposed to be loved and protected by men actually have more encounters with the opposite. And so when you find a, a good woman that you want to pursue, um, it's almost like the Lord is going to use you to heal her first through your love, through the way that you consider her to be a treasure. What you think? Oh, come on up. I want uh, every single person in the room to stand right now.
Garrett and he's single. <clears throat> Young son. <laughs> Emmanuel's taken. He's <laughs> single. Now, single people, all single, single people. Now, I want, I want you all to take a good look around the room. I'm serious. Get around, Isaac. Just take a good look around the room. Now, now you might be identifying someone who is cute. I would like you men to ask them out on a date. <laughs> I release you from the religious mindset surrounding Christian dating. Just go for someone. Find a wife and obtain favor from the Lord. Hallelujah. something holy and pray for you. <laughs> All you people that are, you know, in awesome marriages and relationships are about to be married, just stretch out a hand or put a hand on it. Those single people disagree with me right now. Lord, I ask that you would stretch forth your hand of zealousness. <laughs> Father, that these, these beautiful people would just be filled with fervor, Lord God. Father, that you would, um, you would bring just the perfect, the perfect partner, Lord Jesus, the perfect helper, God, that you would anoint the men in here to pursue with honor and integrity, Father, to value women's hearts above their own. And Lord, I ask that you set women free from any kind of cynicism, Father, that you would heal them from any pain in their heart, God. And Lord, I want to start reigning marriages. It's raining in marriage. <laughs> Father, you love marriage. You love marriage, Lord. As you forgive us for all of our religious mentalities and mindsets that we have surrounded you know, the way that we view dating and marriage, Lord. Father, just bring us into life-giving friendships and marriages, Lord.